0: koto welcome to Queen sound Life podcast um I am here I've got um <laughs> I wrote this sentence through the day and now it makes me laugh Megan Whelan, not to be confused with Megan Wheeler, the detective on law and Order did you know OMG? <laughs>
1: I did know. And there is also uh, a novelist called Megan Whelan who writes like, like high, what seems to be very high fantasy, which is not my vibe at all. Um, But if you Google my name, she's what comes up. There's also a physiotherapist somewhere, which is very helpful. I love
0: Googling myself. It's just, I get photographs from me from like 15 years ago and I'm like, what was I doing then? Mm-hmm. Um, Megan, head of RNZ's Digital Content, weightlifter people, which we would talk about because it's one of my big loves. Um, I wanted to start with, tell us about your day-to-day in that role because whenever I see the, the title Digital Content, one, I think, oh my God, like that to me is a big, it makes my brain explode when I think about what that means and how much work that is but then I always want to know what that actually means for the individual for who does that role.
1: Yeah. Um, so uh, I think about it in, t- in terms of two different things. Um, it's storytelling and it's people. Um, so I manage people who manage people. Um, so a lot of my kind of day to day is talking with my leaders is chatting to people um, about kind of the culture of RNZ and what it's like and how it might change. And, um, you know, the kind of like normal stuff of management, you should go and leave. Um and uh this is what the roster looks like and all those and all that sort of very boring stuff. Well it's not boring, important stuff. I also so, do that stuff. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, And then storytelling. So like my legit favorite bit of my job is sitting with someone who's got an idea and talking to them about their idea and how to make their idea um come to life and who the audience for their idea is and how we tell that story and you know I got into this industry um because I I just really like telling stories and I really like hearing stories what um what are the decisions you have to make around the responsibility of what people hear so i'm um one of the people not the only people but one of the people that's responsible for our editorial policy so rnz has a really specific um editorial policy um and that's all about fairness and balance and um independence so we don't have advertising we are independent from government and government agencies so i'm one of the people that that kind of manages that so Um, ultimately, as part of that editorial policy, we have a a system of upward referral. So if a reporter is working on a story and they are not sure about it, they refer it up. And they would refer it up to their manager who would refer it up to their manager all the way up to the editor-in-chief. And so I do a lot of that sort of thing where it's, you know, it's a song that has swear words in it. Can we play this? And then we have a chat about, well, is it appropriate? What time of day is it? Are kids likely to be in the car being driven home from school? Um, In which case, we might not want to do that. If it's at 10 o'clock at night, it's probably fine. Um, So I guess my, um, I work across a bunch of different things. So I work across news, across our live radio stations and across our website. Um, And ultimately what it comes down to for me is what's the best way to tell this story? so what this is sort of the internet has done to us as a media industry is massively uh exponentially multiplied the number of different ways there is to tell a story um you know it used to just be radio and then it you know it used to just be print and then it was radio and then it was television and then and now it's instagram or facebook or tiktok so if if we're trying to get a bit of information to an audience whether that is there has been an earthquake you, you know, this is what you need to know to get water and power or your favorite band is um, is playing this weekend or has released a new single or um, here's a documentary about some, you know, some piece of history of Aotearoa. How do we do that? What's the best yeah. way to get that piece of information? And sometimes it's radio and sometimes it sometimes it is Instagram and sometimes it's a long form 5,000 word feature, you know, written feature um, and sometimes it's a photo we say. So we spend a lot of time thinking about, you know, not often with daily news, because daily news, we kind of do that in lots of different ways, um, but with the more long-form stuff, the more be- bespoke stuff, I guess, how do we get this to people, and how do we get people to connect to it? Um, that's kind of the fun bit. Yeah,
0: totally, because I, I I often think about when, you are, when you're making those decisions, like, you know, the line is different for all of us. And I love that. I love that concept of the like what is the line, but also how in our bodies do we know when there's a line that we're going?
1: Oh and we're, and we're all different, right? Like I remember yeah. seeing, um uh someone asking me about a headline and it had a swear word in the headline, and I was like, mm. I don't swear like a sailor. I don't.
0: <laughs> and I have
1: to sort of think about my father, um, who's a bit more conservative, and how would he feel seeing that on the website? And you know, a really good example um is the word queer. Um, so you know, we use queer, um, and sort of my generation of queer people use queer. Uh, we've reclaimed it. Um in a I really remember, positive way. In a really yeah. positive way. But I remember getting a letter from a, a you know, um a woman of the generation above me, I guess, I don't want to say elderly because not elderly, but an older woman saying, I heard it in a news bulletin and that's a word that was screamed at me on the street. Right. And and having to reply back to her and saying, this is so hard and I'm so sorry and I'm so sorry that that hurt you. But by the same token, what word should we use? And, and you know, language changes and languages evolves. Language evolves. And so... You know that was that. I mean, that was a really awful experience. You know, I I, um hated that we had that that we had upset that woman, um, and at the same time, for the generation that has embraced the word queer, I want them to be able to use it. So, it is really hard. Sometimes there are no right answers, and you just kind of have to make a call, and you just have to um uh, decide and live with the consequence. And some of those really gnarly news decisions whether you use photos of people who have um, who have died in some kind of awful circumstances or whether you use uh, the name of a person who's committed a crime or any of those sorts of things um, that can be really difficult and you really only learn by making those decisions um, and it, it does take some time to do.
0: You do. and um- I love what you like that going back to that conversation with that woman, like the ability to be able to have an adult conversation about how like that, that creates those conversations Mm. that are in, in turn, another story. Mm. Like we can, as adults have these conversations without being, you know, slamming the door and and never speaking again, but actually we can, we, we should be able to have these conversations about man that made you feel like that. So let's talk about that. And then let's talk about what
1: the reasons why we did that. Mm -hmm. Mm. Yeah. And and understanding that you've caused pain for someone, but having some empathy about that, no matter yeah. what it is, um and I think that's really important. I think you know, one of the ways the world has changed is that is that empathy is hard now because yeah. even, even for someone who is, even for for those of us who really care about empathy and are driven by empathy, you know, I I go on the internet for twenty minutes and I kind of go, oh no, it's all gone. It's, I've lost it um, uh, because the world is try is driving us further apart and to me stories is what saves us talking and having conversations and absolutely. understanding the expected the the perspectives of other people are, is what saves us
0: yeah absolutely and i was going to ask you about how because i see young people as like the leading force of that like the stuff that they're doing gives me hope and everyone goes oh it's all doom and it's like no no actually these young people are doing stuff online um, yeah. and in a digital sense. So how do you see young people changing the face of the way that we see digital the digital world? Like when we're all old and you know,
1: infirm <laughs> and mo- and moaning? Yeah, I mean hundred percent. I mean, we have uh, we have a, a, a pretty nascent um and and young uh to um, uh service called Tahi, which is our which is our rangatahi service um and they are they are very you know they will change the world um they are so driven by wanting to do cool stuff and wanting to find out about people and wanting to wanting to fix climate change and wanting to um uh create communities where people can be themselves um and yeah I do I genuinely like you know every time I'm feeling a bit hopeless about the world I kind of go I'm like talk to me about the fashion at the Met Gala Um, and we start talking about fashion at the Met Gala and then it turns into a different conversation and it genuinely like I I love it and you know I watch young people online and just think when you get to what am I 45 it can feel tough um and, and but you know I look at I look at what young people are doing I look at what Gen Z are doing and just think oh yeah they're so much more motivated than my than us Gen X's they'll change the
0: world I was saying this morning I love being a Gen X because it's just like we're just weirdos. <laughs>
1: and people forget we exist and it's
0: fantastic i know and i laugh because i'm like ah um here we are doing our little stuff underneath yeah. and nobody knows
1: yeah. but we will come there will
0: be a time
1: the, the generational <laughs> war between the millennials and the boomers and us gen X are just sitting in the middle going ah yeah totally we'll just carry totally. on totally and yeah. i was gonna
0: say Like you said, you know, when you're feeling a bit down, I was like, I go and plunk myself in amongst some teenagers, but then I was like, that sounds a bit weird. (laughs) So I won't. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: These
0: are young. These are young adults. They're all above. Yeah, no, no, no. I know. Yeah, (laughs) totally. So, um, changing tack for you, the weightlifting. That's Mm -hmm. like, let's go completely over there. Um, I've been I've been a gym goer for a, a number of years, but um really got into lifting weights when I did I did my personal training qualification and then stopped doing it and threw it under the bed but I got really obsessed with going to the gym and not not for the look of what it did but just for the way that I the way that it made me feel (laughs) and that's what I get from you like I get from you in droves the just the 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 chemical even that it produces and pumps around our bodies but the 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 whole power, the it's, how the the strength
1: thing. I I am so evangelical about the evangelical about evangelical about this. I can speak, but see, this is how excited I get when I talk about it. I can't talk. Um, I was chatting to a friend this morning and she uh she was saying that she has an injury that she feels like means she can't lift weights and I said I bet you you can I, I absolutely guarantee you that there are things that you could do to work around that injury and to do stuff and um I said I just want more women to understand how it feels to be strong um and you know I've spent my whole life whether I admitted it to myself or not, I spent my whole life trying to be smaller. In some way, I spent my whole life wishing that my body was smaller um, for as long as I could remember. And I would do things about it, and I would not do things about it. And I, you know, I had this whole decade-long body positivity thing where I was like, um, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna love my body as it is right now. And I, and I, and I got to that point. And one of the very strange things about this weightlifting journey that I have been on is that my body is changing, and it's quite confronting because. I don't want my body to change particularly. Um, And I think Lizzo came out, you know, a couple of weeks ago and said, or last week and said this incredible thing about, I work out to make my life better and to make my physical and mental health better, but I'm not trying to escape fatness. And I just like, you know, golf clap completely. That is incredible that, because that is exactly how I feel. Um, But I didn't know how great it was going to feel to just, you know, if you're in a, Should I say this out loud? Probably. If you're in a meeting with a really annoying person, to just be able to sit there and go, I mean, I could throw you through a window. I'm not going (laughs) to. I'm not going to. I clearly wouldn't do that. That would be ridiculous. But to actually know that you could do that, the kind of what it means to me to know that I am physically strong um, is just the most empowering thing I think I've ever felt.
0: It is incredible. And I know that when I used to work with women who, you know, they're, they're, uh, um, when they thought about going to the gym for the first time, it was so intimidating. You know, there's all these weird machines and these things. And it's like, you, it's literally a space that you decide what you do in it. It's like, it's just a room with stuff in it, with people who walk around who kind of know how to use some of those things.
1: So get someone to teach you how to yes. use those things. Get someone to teach you. And look, I, you know, I wrote a piece when I was writing my column about about having diabetes. I wrote a piece about, you know, I've I had joined gyms probably three times in my life, and every single time I went to the gym, and they were like, "Great, how much weight do you want to lose?" And I would kind of go, well, "I don't know that I talked about wanting to lose weight actually," um, and just this automatic assumption that going to the gym is about changing your appearance, yep. uh, and becoming smaller. And look, and hundred percent, that is what society tells women they should, that they, that they should be and what they should be working for and what they should do. But it wasn't ever really what I wanted. And, you know, I hate cardio. I don't want to do cardio. Cardio is dumb. And like, I'm super impressed by anyone who does want to do cardio, but I have never wanted to to do cardio in my life with the very, you know, very small exception of playing sport, playing a couple of sports. And so I, I had gotten to that point where when I stood up, I made a noise and I would stand up and I'd go, and and I'm not old enough to be making that noise when I stand up. And so I was like, I I have to do something. I feel crappy all the time. You know, it it hurts to bend over. Sometimes none of these is good and I'm not old enough for that. I really need to do something about it. And luckily one of um, my friends is a personal trainer. And so I messaged her and it was, you know, it took so much courage for me to do that, to message her and say, um, uh, can I come see you? And so I come see you. And, you know, the first thing she said was, I'm never going to weigh you. I'm never going to measure you. I do not care about those measurements. If you do great and I will help you with those, but that's not, that's not my practice. And so then we started working together and there was lots of like mobility stuff and a little bit of, you know, kind of yoga, which was absolutely what I needed. And this was in lockdown, actually. I went and saw her like two weeks before we ended up going into lockdown. So we started doing um, video sessions by zoom and uh so the, you know I'm on my the floor of my living room kind of trying to do downward dog and then <laughs> do what um that sort of I guess a month into it she said do you want to do some strength training and I went well, we'll give it a go and all I could think in my head was I'm not strong I don't know um and we just did some like body weight stuff and immediately I loved it and yeah. even just doing body weight squats and like uh you know the the easiest possible version of a plank I immediately was just like, this is so cool. And then I had sore muscles and I was like, oh my God, my muscles are sore. Look at me go. Um, <laughs> uh, and it really was. And then once we actually got back into the gym after lockdown and immediately it was using free weights to do stuff. And then, um, you know, I remember the first time I did a deadlift with the barbell and just being so proud of myself yeah. um, that I could lift the barbell Yeah, and As you know, it's, I guess it's a year and a half now. And as, and you know, I'm in the gym four to five times a week. So it's, it's a huge part of my life now. And I eat for the gym. You know, my diet has changed, not because I want to lose weight and not because not actually, I mean, kind of for my diabetes, but, but, uh, significantly more because I'm eating for performance now I'm eating to drive building muscle and getting my muscles to be stronger. Um, I eat so many more carbohydrates than I let myself have for the first <laughs> year of my diabetes. <laughs> <laughs> because carbohydrates grow muscle um or, or at least you know help you to recover and uh and so like you know i eat jet planes so i didn't let my health self have lollies i was diagnosed with diabetes for about six months i didn't let my self have any kind of sugar and then i've been working with a nutritionist to talk about um to uh, to to um help with the nutrition for lifting and so now like pretty much immediately before I go to the gym, I eat like seven jet planes because it's about 30 grams of high GI carbohydrates. And that's what my yep. body needs to yep. fuel my workout. And so like my whole life has changed around yep. being able to pick up heavy things. And it's back-
0: incredible the 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 sense of, the whole word around empowerment and that thing of I, I can go into this space and utilize what it's got in and, and know what I'm doing and come out. But also the fact that most you, you you can go to classes and you can do group program, whatever. But the fact that most of this is on our own. So you go in there, whether you've got your earphones in or whatever. And, and I love watching people do their little workouts because you're like, this is your time. Mm. And whether you're you're in here in a in a bad place, in inverted commas, or you're in here in a, a place for whatever reason you're in here. This is time for you to do the thing that you do and I just I find it so incredibly moving to watch people it's like I, I should not go in and I'm, I'm not saying to people I go in and Jane will be in there she'll be
1: staring at you yeah. in the corner <laughs> I often find myself I mean I, I absolutely do the same thing and I often find myself just like you know particularly between sets if I'm doing heavy lifts particularly between sets where I just kind of like am staring into space, but I will quite, quite often and like probably look really grumpy because um, uh, I'm thinking about usually like, how did that last set feel and what do I need to change? And, and the time. drive My feet into the yeah. ground. And, yeah. Oh my God, I'm tired. And, you know, and so I'm quite often staring into space and I will quite often find myself just like, staring at someone and it happened a while ago where it was someone doing hip thrusts and i accidentally made eye contact with them so for people i love hip thrusts but so (laughs) for people who don't lift you a hip thrust is where your upper back shoulders are on a bench and you have a barbell or free weights on your lap basically and you your feet on the ground and so you are driving your hips up by by clenching your glutes up into the air and it is a vaguely suggestive, I mean, it's not at all suggestive, but it does look suggestive. Yeah. Google Henry Cavill. Superman, <laughs> uh for us, there isn't a hilarious gif of him doing that. Um, and I made eye contact with someone doing it. And I was just like, oh God, no, no, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to do that. This is really awkward. Um. But yes, you know, like I kind of, I work twice. So if I'm there, if I'm in the gym four to five times a week, um, I have two sessions usually with a trainer, depending on if I have to travel or what's happening in, in kind of the rest of my life. And in those sessions, uh, Nell and I work on sort of, uh, I guess, what you would call accessories. So I tend to do my really big lifts by myself, um, mostly because I it's, it, it is a longer session and it's just easier for my life to be able to do that. And so, you know, I will work with Nell on really specific form things or mobility or, you know... <sighs> some days I do just go on and say, I need to feel powerful. Can we do squats? Um, but when I'm there, often if I'm having a really bad day, really long day at work, I've been at work for nine hours and and things were annoying and I'm, you know, trying to solve a problem or, or you know, or something, or, you know, my boyfriend's been a dickhead. Um, I go to the gym and yeah. it's the, the kind of, the thing that I have found is I have, actually if I've had a really bad day, I have a really specific routine that I do. Because if you are concentrating on not dropping 30 kilograms on your yes. face, it's real hard to think about anything else. Yeah, it totally uh, is. So, yeah. chest press on a Swiss ball. Um, <laughs> so, like you're balancing yourself on a Swiss ball. So, you have to think about like, you know, holding your core real tight and lifting your butt cheeks up and then driving, you know, pushing your arms up above your face. And you can see that you're holding really big weights in your hands that if you're not careful, you will drop them on your face. Yes.
0: That does flash through (laughs) my mind while I'm doing stuff sometimes. And I have to think, don't think of that because the more you think about it, the more it's likely to happen. The more it's likely to happen. What would my face look like if a barbell fell on it? Yeah. You know?
1: And so like, you know, and I like, you know, if you're doing a squat, my biggest squat is 120 kilograms. Um, And so if you've got 120 kilograms on a barbell on your back and you're not real careful, you will injure your back very badly. Oh,
0: very easily.
1: And yeah. so easily. And you know, if you haven't set yourself upright to drop that, um, you know, if you go down into the bottom of your squat and you go you go a bit hard and you can't get back up, if you haven't set yourself upright to like be able to drop that barbell, you will hurt yourself really badly. Yeah, there's pure so, maths involved. Yeah, and exactly. <laughs> um, and if you and so you know, it's really hard to think about anything else. It's really hard to be, you know, God, he was a dickhead. And I'm, you know, then I had a fight with him and, you know, everything is hard. And, you know, it's really, you can't think about any of that stuff. And so what I find often, particularly if I'm working on sort of creative problem you know, your brain works in the background. And so quite yeah. often what happens is that I come out of the gym and I've got a solution to the problem I was working on without having actually thought about it.
0: Which is very different to cardio because I am a cardio girl as well. But I think cardio gives you more space and time to mull over shit. Mm-hmm. So you, you, I mean, I, t- I tend to go swimming if I want to work out a problem because I tend to, you know, have created mm-hmm. a whole new beautiful world by the end of the swim. Um, But I do tend to find, I think it's just I think any kind of movement allows your body to start to unpack and unpick what is going on for you. And I also like in a very weird way, I like the fact that people are in good pain because we don't put ourselves in a good pain place very often. You know, you might sexually like that in some way, totally up to you. But I think we we, we are often too scared to be in pain. And and being in the gym is that, well, you face pain, right? You're like, I can't do that. And you're like, and the, and the, I love seeing the faces of people who are purely exhausted. It's yep. such a beautiful thing to be like, your body is doing what it's supposed to do.
1: Working to failure is probably my favorite thing. Yeah. So when you have done, uh, I did it last weekend, I was doing uh, shoulder presses and you know you're pushing weights up above your head and that last rep where you actually just can only get it halfway up and your and your body you just physically cannot move it any higher and again doing it without actually injuring yourself is really hard and that feeling of just like dropping those weights and kind of falling onto the ground (laughs) as like a pile of jelly it's because we don't do that a lot we absolutely don't put our bodies through that and you know muscles grow by doing that. Um, and it's great. But also the bit about the failure that I love is it's taught me that it's okay to fail in other things. Totally. I, I, you know, I don't like failing. I like to to know that I am going to be perfect at something immediately and I'm going to get it right and I'm going to be great at it. And if I don't think I'm going to be able to do it very well, then I just won't do it. Um, uh, and you know, my entire family plays golf, uh, which I hate. I mean, you know, i don't want to walk for that far and also it's just it's silly um yeah. so, uh, part of the reason i even want to play golf was like i, was like, I don't think i'm gonna be any good at that so i'm just not going to um which is such a you never try anything if you live like that and the, the kind of you know i put this on my instagram this week is one of the things that i love that i have learned is that i'm never going to be perfect at this i can, there is no way to be perfect at weightlifting. I just have to show up every time and try and be a little bit better than I was last time. And that little bit better, better might be heavier weights, but it might also just be better form. It might be more depth in my squat. It might be one more rep. Um, It might be that I don't hate it as much, (laughs) you know, like you can't, there there is no way to be perfect. And so um, failure is totally fine in that context, which has made it easier for me to fail in the rest of my life.
0: It is because you know failure, it's and perfectionism. at Their ultimate core level is the fear of rejection, right? If I don't do this, it's somebody's not going to love me. Blah 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 blah. But I think because I I think there's there's less of a sense of needing to achieve perfectionism in a place like a gym because you know if you're running and you want to do a better time it's like uh and yeah you you do want to lift heavier weights and do more but I think there's less of a feeling of needing that it's like I'm going to put my body through this stress and every time I'll see improvement and it'll get it will get harder and it or (laughs) it'll get easier but there's I think there's less of a feeling of needing to for it to
1: be perfect because it's not it's not a thing that is that it, it, it can't it, like it kind of can't be that yeah, yeah. um and you know progressive overload is a thing and so you do always want to be even stronger but you know I'm still a baby I'm still absolutely a novice at this and I know that at some point in my future I'll plateau there'll be a bit where I just cannot lift any heavier but even then even if I can't lift any heavier <clears throat> or it takes me two years to go up a plate or whatever it is I know that the um there will still be things I can improve. I can still improve my form. I can still do one more rep. I can still, um, you know, be slightly more mobile. I can still have slightly more functional strength and, you know, all of those things. And and I, I love that. Um, and, you know, there's physical strength and there's mental strength and and it needs both. Yeah, totally.
0: Welcome to our weightlifting podcast.
1: (laughs) I mean, I'm not going to lie. I would genuinely, I've had this conversation with my head of podcast being like, can I just have a podcast where I just talk about weightlifting every week? I would listen to it. Honestly, it is. It's incredible. So
0: in, in like the last roundup of stuff, how, how do you see radio? What do you see as the future of radio? Because it's still don't, doesn't it amaze you that it's still here? I just, like, well, I mean, I love it because it's like, it's a, when I grew up, the radio was always on at the weekends in my house. And I used to remember going to friends' houses and they're being silent. My, 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 mom, my house was known as loud music. The radio was always on. My mum was always around. And then I go into houses and it's silent. And it, I used to be like, something's missing. And so it's a thought, it's a self, it's a comfort thing for me yeah. when I hear it.
1: Mm-hmm. So, I mean, radio is absolutely about company. Um, I I mean, that's a huge question. It is a um, huge question. You know, I mean, everyone had, you know, I mean, video killed the radio star is what, like 40 years old now. Yeah. Um, And there was, there, there is definitely a, um you know, everyone's a bit surprised that radio has laughed. So, you know, I, I call it the cockroach. And that sounds derogatory, but it's not. Um, yeah. It's a wonderful thing. Look, I, you know, we've had, what three weather disasters already this year in this country? Um, in Cyclone Gabriel and on the on the east coast, uh, you know, radio was the only way people got information, um, and uh, you know the 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 power of radio was really shown in that. So I don't really see it going anywhere any time soon. And you know, to go back to kind of that, but that we talked about at the beginning about like what's the best way to tell a story. When I describe this, I say, think about the sound. Two sounds that I use in this when I when I tell that when I say this, think about that sound of that breath that someone takes when they're about to start crying. You know, that like shaky, shuddery breath, or the sound of a baby crying. I could be the best writer in the world. I would never be able to describe that sound in the way that you get that emotional sense when you hear it. Yeah. Adding pictures to that sound doesn't change it. No. Or it, if it does change it, it changes how you feel about it. It changes the meaning of it. And so like I just think about that like breath and what that says to people. Radio, you know, trans the way we transmit audio might change. So you know we might, you know, <laughs> AM radio, very few, no, well, not many people listen to anymore around the world. And, you know, uh, you know, broadcasters around the world are figuring about what to do with with AM radio. Um, radio stations might change and evolve, but I think audio storytelling, and I love radio. I was a radio presenter, you know, I used to fill in um on, on many of our, our, our um uh radio shows and the the feeling of being in front of a microphone, and there's one right there, um I don't know any feeling like that. Yeah. I'm yeah. I'm at my most calm in front of a microphone. I think that's the bit where my blood pressure gets the lowest, um, and there is something about, particularly in times of kind of crisis or or difficulty, that radio is that that immediate conduit of information and also comfort and community and i don't think there is anything else like that um i don't think the internet provides that in the same way and so i i do think it's it lasts i think it might change and evolve in the way we schedule radio might change and evolve and all of those things but i think it'll be around for a while yet
0: yeah. yeah i it will it will i know it will yeah um are you ready for your quick fire round yes I'm excited hey, favorite new zealand biscuit
1: oh, uh uh Tim Tams? No, they're not are not Australian. Um, I mean, a chocolate chippy. <laughs> I'm
0: so glad you didn't say ginger nut because I hate all ginger nut people. Um, next place to
1: travel. Uh, I mean, I'm theoretically going to America again and, and later in the year, but if I had my choice, I think I want to go to Korea next.
0: Oh, your whole body changed when you said America.
1: I mean I love yeah. it and I really want to go, but
0: I don't know. Yeah. I've been there I several know. times
1: in the last few years and it's well, like, pre-COVID. Um and uh, you know, I want to do something different.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, what's on your bedside table? Oh god. Uh a lamp, seven books, uh water all the time, um uh, charges for my phone and probably like seven bottles of nail polish remover. Nice, nice. <laughs> don't, I have this image of you like necking
0: and nail polish, yeah. like, don't do that, um, so a book
1: you always recommend? Oh, um, uh, a book called Burnout, particularly for women, a book called Burnout uh, by a woman called Emily Nagoski and her uh, sister, whose name I'm going to forget, which is terrible, um, it's about what stress does to your body and how you can, ba- can, can combat it. That's a
0: great book, uh, the last band you saw?
1: Tammy Nielsen, I'm wearing her T-shirt.
0: Nice. Uh, Bath or shower?
1: Shower. Uh, uh, Every day shower uh, for relaxation bath.
0: Uh, Coffee or tea?
1: Coffee. And uh, an album you wish you'd written. Mm. (laughs) That was a real dirty laugh. I am am so so unmusical. It never occurs to me that I could have written an album. So I've never thought about it because I'm completely unmusical. I love listening to music, but I don't understand how music works. Um uh so uh just because it's the most recent album I've been listening to, Midnights by Taylor Swift. If you ask me book I had wish I had written uh Donatatas the secret history.
0: Oh, I I'm reading that for the third time oh my god that was gonna be my- that's so weird because i i wrote this question i love this question and i sat on the loo this morning as you do and i was like which book and i'm like that one it gives me the absolute chills because it's I've... so creepy and yet so it's such a freaking good book
1: all the Handmaid's tale
0: oh interesting
1: yes um I've read I've read both those are my two comfort books and I have read both at least once a year for the last 25 years.
0: Do You know I was telling somebody I recommended The Secret Story to somebody the other day and I said the most amazing thing for me about it is you don't know when it's set like mm-hmm. it I it, I think it's kind of set in the
1: 90s but I it read feels, it in the 90s and it felt contemporary so it
0: feels yeah. like it's set in the 60s and yeah. I like I I just and I there's parts of it that just make my I get like chills on the back because it's there's a creepy part that you're like,
1: oh, yeah. oh, it's so good, I it know, is it's so, so good. good, yeah. And her other book, uh, not the second one, but the Goldfinch is also wonderful. Oh, so amazing, yeah,
0: totally amazing. I know. Yeah. Oh, I'm so glad you said that. Um, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna get deep and meaningful, but I'm like, now nah. we were gonna talk about tattoos because I just got my my first one, um. Which, uh, and uh, yeah I am um, I I said to somebody the other day because somebody said is it do you find it claustrophobic which is a really interesting actually I'm like yeah I can understand how it could be to some people mm. but I can't always see it and I also look at it and think you are mine forever like you are like a little gift for me forever
1: one of the things I think about a lot is um a friend was talking to someone in her family who um disapproved and they said, "I don't know why you would want to look like a walking art gallery." And I think I don't know why you wouldn't. Why wouldn't?
0: Why wouldn't you?
1: Why would um, you want somebody's
0: art on your body forever? Yeah, exactly.
1: And I, um, I mean, you know, I talk about the gym a lot. I, you know, the gym having changed my body, tattooing is the thing that changed my relationship to my body because tattooing. Uh, the first time I got a tattoo uh, on my thigh was the first time I had ever looked at my thigh with love. Yeah. Um and it was the first it's the most beautiful thing that to, to be able to look at your body and think gosh that's beautiful yeah. in a world that tells you your body is not beautiful yeah. um and that what well, that genuinely is the thing that probably cha- you know really changed my relationship with my body and now I'm covered in them and um you know people ask me what they mean and I say oh they mean that I had disposable income and no one to tell me off <laughs>
0: Um, <laughs> yeah totally mostly,
1: um and i'm a little bit addicted to them um, oh my god
0: i said to my tattoo the woman who did my tattoo i said will i be addicted and she went a thousand percent
1: like I thousand know percent. one person who has oh two people i know two people who have one my mom my mom and i have a matching tattoo um okay. and uh she only has one i keep trying to get her to get another one but she doesn't um but no when i um <laughs> if i'm having emotional you know if i haven't been to therapy for a bit and uh and uh, you know my anxiety is getting a bit higher than i usually do is just book in for another tattoo because that yeah. solves it for a few months yeah um, but no, i i you know totally understand why people wouldn't want them totally understand uh people who you know are worried for professional reasons or whatever but i love them and uh i love mine some of them i you know i've been getting tattoos for nearly 15 years now some of them probably 15 years later i would change if i got them again but i still love them so yeah yeah totally
0: well megan you one. are an absolute delight what was that one is that a new one
1: it's a new one so uh i think i've posted it to instagram it's a harakeke flower it's a bit dark oh, in here There we go. It um, is beautiful and actually i'm adding to it next weekend so there's going to be a bell bird up here so i need
0: yeah. to make some cash first I spent all my tax money on tattoos. I was like, oh well.
1: <laughs> I have a savings account. So uh, I have a savings account for travel and I have a savings account for tattoos. That's
0: amazing. I love it. Um, Megan, thank you so much. This has been an absolute delight. Bye. You are a complete and odd star. Um, and I'm sure we will chat more. Let's get a weightlifting podcast going. I'm on it. it. <laughs> amazing. Bye-bye. Bye.